Hi, everyone. This is Danielle Pletka. We are playing an In Case You Missed It podcast from last year on the question that would be on everybody's lips if Donald Trump weren't actually on everybody's lips instead. And that is the question of the Chinese app TikTok. Is it going to be banned? We think so, but it hasn't been banned yet. We had an outstanding interview with Klon Kitchen talking all about the app, everything it does, everything you need to be really afraid of, and the reasons you need to delete it right now. <laughs> the reason that we're playing you an older podcast is because this is spring break week. Mark has been at his daughter's national hockey championships, and many of our guests have been away. So we'll be back at our regularly scheduled time next week. We're really looking forward to sharing an outstanding podcast with you. And in the meantime, for those of you who celebrate Passover, hope you have an enjoyable feast. And for those of you who celebrate Easter, very happy holidays. See you soon. This podcast is brought to you by the American Enterprise Institute. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thanks for listening. Here's our show. What in the hell's going on? What the hell is going on? What the hell is going on? I don't know what the hell he's talking about. You don't have to know what the hell is on it. What the hell's the matter with these guys? We don't know what's going on. What the hell's going on? Who in God's name knows what it's all about? Hi, I'm Danielle Plutko. I'm Mark Thiessen. Welcome to our podcast. What the hell is going on? Mark, what the hell is going on? What the hell is going on is the Chinese Communist Party has infiltrated America through the Internet, and they are collecting data on a third of the population. It, it, they are following not just what you're buying and what you're watching. They're following your keystrokes on your phone. They are getting all of your passwords, every account you have. They know what you're watching and what you're not watching, whether it's good or not. They know everything your children are doing and saying about you behind your back. And they're doing it through a little app called TikTok, which has infected the lives of most of our children. And this is a influence operation and a spy operation by the Chinese Communist Party that that we are readily allowing them to do, welcoming it into our homes, welcoming it into our lives, and the government is doing nothing to protect us against it. How's that? Yeah, that's a pretty big what the hell is going on. <laughs> it, look, this is, a, it, this is a clear and present danger. Yeah. If I said to my university class, when you walk out of here today, the U.S. government will know everything you did. Every keystroke, right? Your computers were turned around while I was talking when you were shopping on you know, whatever website you love and you were were busy, you know, bad-mouthing me or, or your colleagues or your classmates or you were figuring out how to cheat on the next test or you were trying to figure out what lie to tell me because you were going home early for Thanksgiving. Everything, the U.S. government knows all of that. They would, as one, be outraged, outraged, our Congress would, if you presented them with the same information, they would start talking about impeachment. The president knows everything you do. The president and his 
agents know what you looked at on TV last night, what you had for dinner, where you drove when you told your wife you were going to the dry cleaner, uh, what you were watching when you told your wife you were watching old episodes of Friends. Yeah, we know all of that. They would act to impeach the president for that outrage, and yet no one is outraged that the Chinese Communist Party (laughs) is doing exactly that every single day. Now, we're apparently much more outraged by the fact that Elon Musk has taken over Twitter and is now reversing all the all the censorship on Twitter. It's like if we were going to be outraged about a social media platform and what it was doing uh, to our country, this would not be the one we should be focused on. It exactly. Be, it be Forget TikTok. Twitter. Focus on TikTok. But we know you're right because we know that there was such a freakout in the United States over the NSA's terror surveillance uh, policies after 9-11. One of the reasons why the 9-11 attacks actually happened is because we did not have the capability of tracing phone calls between one number and another. Um, And there was a phone call between a a terrorist and handlers outside the United States that if if we had been able to track that, we could have found out uh, about the 9-11 attack before it happened. And so we created a program in in the Bush administration to collect metadata on phone calls, not the content of the phone calls, not the names of the people who were calling, but the numbers between whom like that and the 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 libertarian world went absolutely nuts how can the united states government have this information this is the rise of totalitarianism in our country and same people silent <laughs> the chinese communist party collecting far more information in far, far greater detail, detail far more than personal. anything the nsa ever collected uh, on american citizens no it, it is amazing and I, I think you know look in part We have compromised um, over the notion of privacy, and we have different standards, right? Uh, I mean, we really, we really do. And the Chinese government has used that in ways that I think that a lot of people fail to understand. And and you know, I realize that that there's a lot of Gen Z which will say. You're just trying to ruin our life, you boomers, uh, because because I've heard that before, baby. Okay, but, boomer. <laughs> but no one says that anymore, Mark. Oh, You're sorry. so uncool. Right. And we're not but, boomers. <laughs> honestly, what a disservice by the government whose foremost sworn duty is the national security, the safety of the American people to simply sit by idly, and not even that, you know, but to use this platform as Joe Biden and the Democratic Party did in order to advertise itself to influencers that they hoped would help get them elected in this midterm election. It's got to end. Yeah, and also remember the freak out over Facebook and the Russian influence on Facebook, where we, we had an entire Mueller probe that looked into this influence operation. We had an intelligence community report on the Russian influence operations. And it pales in comparison to what the Chinese Communist Party is doing through TikTok. It's not even in the same class of, of operation. Right. And our unwillingness to paint the picture, not simply for our own children here in Washington, D.C., whose hopes and dreams may be compromised by the Chinese, but to everybody in this country, if you have a job that has secret information, if you have a relative in the military, if there's anything you don't want somebody to know, if you were thinking about divorcing your husband or wife, if you were wondering whether your child was actually your child, it doesn't matter how mundane it is. The Chinese government knows it. Are you okay with that? 
And again, it's like you said, it's not just it for people who want to work in the national security field, because the Chinese are spying on us not just for national security reasons. They're spying on us for economic reasons. They are stealing intellectual property. The Chinese regime is engaged in the in the greatest intellectual property theft of any country in human history in terms of stealing our secrets, stealing our commercial secrets and all the rest of it. If you work in any industry in which they are interested and they want to steal it, they can get the any information that if you're using TikTok. And what's important is it's not just while you're using the app. On your phone, when you're using other apps, when you're using other things, oh, they are I'm they sure are now in on your, your computer. In your, Once in your they're phone. in your phone, they're in everything. In they're your in house. everything else, and they can steal whatever you know. And if they wanted to compromise you in order to get you to give them information they couldn't get that way, they can do that too. I don't think people appreciate the scope and scale of the infiltration that has taken place through this app. Right. But I also think that there are a lot of people like you and me, Mark, who pat ourselves on the back because we won't download TikTok because it's dangerous. But of course, on our home Wi-Fi system, we have kids who are on TikTok and it it doesn't matter that you're not on because everything you do is still open to them because your Wi-Fi is compromised, because your system is compromised. I mean, people... Just imagine to yourself something you don't want anybody to know. If you, if a, every one of us on Earth has something like that in our lives, whether it's <laughs> whether it's how much you weigh or what naughty things you were thinking and researching or anything else, the Chinese know it. I think that deserves a far more serious national conversation than we are having today. Well, here's the thing: our kids are going to listen to this podcast and think, "Yeah, right, mom. Yeah, Definitely. right, dad. Right." And and so are your kids who are listening. So we've brought somebody on who's if you don't believe it, if you don't trust us, we've got an expert here who can who is going to walk you through exactly how pernicious this is. And I urge you to not only listen to this, but share this podcast with your teenage children so that they can understand just how bad this is, because we are going to peel back the onion and and explain in vivid detail how pernicious this Chinese influence operation is in our country. So Klon Kitchen, I think this is the first time he's joined us, is a senior fellow here at AEI. He works on national security, defense tech, innovation, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence. So this is really his sweet spot. He was a, a director at the Heritage Foundation Prior to joining AEI, he worked in the Senate. He worked at the NCTC, the National Counterterrorism Center on Cyber Strategy. He was the chair for national counterterrorism at NDU, the National Defense University. He worked at the CIA. He worked at the DIA. Jeez, this guy can't hold down a job. Wow. (laughs) Anyway, we're delighted to have him. Here's our interview. Juan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, great to be here. So glad to have you. So my daughter is going to hate this podcast <laughs> because she is on TikTok all the time. But tell my daughter why she should be off TikTok. Okay. So, number one, I understand. TikTok as, as a social media app is, is very engaging. I mean, it is the uh, fastest growing, number one downloaded social media app in the United States. There's currently 140 million uh, monthly users, uh, U.S. users, of TikTok, so your daughter's not alone, uh, and and she doesn't need to feel you know strange about that. However, um, there are very real concerns associated with TikTok that you know most Americans aren't thinking about, but it's my job to think about. So let me describe the the challenge, and then I'll make my best plea to your lovely young daughter about why she should change her habits or why we can take her choices away from her. 
That's your call. That's your Not call. Not me, the government. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm banning Well, that's that. true. So I will make that point in a second. Okay, yeah. so the, the underlying problem. Um, TikTok is not unique in the fact that it collects a lot of information about its users. Other social media apps use it, uh, do the same thing. Uh, TikTok is peculiar in how much data it collects. I mean, um, it, it hoovers up a ton of data, and it's been broken down by a number of different cybersecurity uh, and other folks to show that not only does it hoover up data, but interestingly, if you look at the backend code, uh, there are aspects of the way the app works that change if you try to enact greater security. So it's really peculiar. We're starting to learn more about that. Like what? Well, so without getting overly technical, if you start trying to mess with what's called the uh, aspects of the DNS, mm-hmm. it will actually uh, throw switches in and how it operates in a way to obfuscate where some of that data is going and how it's being collected. Wow. Um, but all that, you know, it's kind of creepy, but that's not peculiar or unique to TikTok. What is, is that TikTok is owned by a Chinese company, and that's where the problem comes in. So ByteDance is a uh, China-headquartered Chinese company. Um, it is a massive company, and and it's not just that it's Chinese and that we hate the Chinese or anything like that. It's that, yeah, the, the Chinese okay, government I have, a real, I have a real problem with. And, and what they've done is they have passed a series of cybersecurity and national security laws that require uh, every bit and byte of data that is collected, that is stored, that transits, or that in any other way touches a Chinese network to at least be made available to the Chinese government. And there's no getting out of that. There's no resisting that. If any company who tries to do otherwise will not be in business very long. So why does my, you know, my daughter is 17. Yep. A lot of these young users are, are teenage girls who are making dance videos and, you know, all the rest of it. Why do they care if China, they're growing up in a world where they're not ex- even expecting privacy and a lot of this stuff. Why do they care if, if uh, the Chinese Communist Party has all their dance videos? So it's not just their dance videos. But there's, there's, there's layers of problem here. So we'll start with the individual, but I'm going to build up from there. So from an individual standpoint, um, it's not just your, your dance videos. It's all of your um, contacts. It's your GPS location. It's your online viewing and shopping habits. It's even your keyboard swipes and your off-app online habits. So for example, TikTok knows what other websites you go to in your web browser, not just in TikTok. But then it's also tracking the key swipes when you're on those other websites. So, for example, if you log into, say, your bank website and it is able to track your keyboard swipes when you're on that website, what do they know? Well, they know your username and they know your password. And they know texting content. You know, So they don't actually have to intercept the text. So even if the text itself is end-to-end encrypted, the fact that they are able to monitor keyboard swipes means that they can actually put together the content of a message. So when they're snapping each other, TikTok knows everything you're snapping, every message you're sending, everything you're doing, and the Chinese Communist Party has all that. Precisely. That's amazing. But again, that's that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? Um, There's there's also um, the, uh, what we call pattern of life knowledge that comes from this. So if I just know your GPS, just your GPS, it takes me about, 24 hours to figure out where do you live, where do you work, 
Where do you congregate? What's your favorite coffee shop? That kind of thing. Now, again, your daughter may say, well, okay, that's kind of creepy, but who cares? All right. Well, one, you may care one day. And, and that's, that's a real challenge for you that you may not be thinking about and anticipating in the future. Two, it helps them understand precisely how they want to target and influence you and everyone like you. I used to do um, what we'll call um, strategic influence uh, when I worked for the government. And if I understood an audience's or a demographic's primary source of news and entertainment, well, then I knew what channels to feed my narratives into if I wanted to move that audience, right? We called, you know, when I worked for the government, we called it intelligence. Google calls it programmatic marketing, right? But no one is better at it than, than, what, than what TikTok is pulling together. So that's, that's an example. Um, but then there's moving beyond the individual. There's what the Chinese government ultimately is able to learn about more than a third of the U.S. population. So they're able to collect this volume, as I said, from approximately 140 million Americans. And that gives them deep, deep insight into how a third of the country thinks, how they operate, what they're economically engaged in, and ultimately how to influence that group. Now, if you can move uh, or shape in some form or fashion a third of the U.S. population, that is a tool that is incredibly attractive to a government that we know engages in strategic influence operations in the West. And we've seen that on everything from Tiananmen Square to, um, you know, I mean, so you know, I, won't, I won't assert that this is being done, but it's the kind of thing that could be done. So we know that the negative effects that social media can have, for example, on your daughter, um, in terms of young female image, um, senses of self-worth and image and body and image and all that kind of stuff. Well, again, I don't know that this is happening, but if you wanted to... Um, erode um, American women age 16 to 24 and make, you know, in, inflict a type of psychological harm, well, you've got a, a world-class platform from which to do that. Um, and there are much, much, much more nefarious ways that that could be employed. So you are completely right. We've all, over the last couple of decades, basically become inured to this notion of privacy, right? You know, I'm actually perfectly comfortable, right, when I search for something on Google and then it comes up on my Instagram feed and then if I go and look at Facebook, it comes up there and I've actually bought things because they've been, you know, because you just see it so many times and it you're works. like, I do yeah. actually like that. Right, it works. And even though you know you're being manipulated, you are reasonably comfortable with it. Ditto for your phone calls, your movements, your, you know, we are basically all comfortable with leading a, let's say, a semi-private life, right? Like as if somebody's just peering in your window all the time. But there was a controversy not that long ago about the U.S. government's collection of data that was far less intrusive, far less detailed, um, and far less specific in the sense that it might have known that someone from Washington, D.C. was making a call to Baghdad, Iraq, but they didn't know what I said, they didn't know what I was doing, and they actually, most of the time, didn't know exactly who I was. And there was mass outrage 
right? Oh my God, the NSA is collecting metadata. You know, this is the end. This is the beginning of the fascist state. Why now are we okay with that, with a foreign hostile government doing it when then we were not okay with it? What's happened? Uh, well, one, I think over the course of time, we've just become dulled, right? I, I think that's part of it. We've, we've, we've made the trade. And look, I often say we are now living in a world where some of this we're not going to be able to claw back. Um, going forward, we're all going to be known. It's simply a matter of by who. And we do still have agency on that, right? So um, I think that the one of the one of the the points that you raised, Danny, is is incredibly important, and it's rooted in a general American ethos that says, "Look, we have a skepticism of a super empowered government, uh, and so when we when we hear and see something like that, it freaks us out, and that's kind of baked into our our national character." Um, our general posture is one where we distrust government and we're okay with corporations. In Europe, it's the exact opposite. In Europe, they actually distrust corporations and they trust the government. So there's just some kind of strategic culture there. But then also I think, um, and this, this brings me back to what I wanted to mention uh, to you, Mark. Um, there's just not a lot of sophistication in U.S. consumers on these national security aspects. And, as much as I would like, you know, the normal American to think better about all this, and I think they can and, and should, at the end of the day, national security is fundamentally the U.S. government's job. It, it can't, we cannot be relying on 140 million Americans all making the same right choice every single time. That's just never going to work. And that's why I think there's, there's plenty of legitimate justification, national security justification for the U.S. government to take action against TikTok, the underlying rationale that we have used for Huawei and ZTE and a host of other Chinese companies is the exact same rationale that we would use under TikTok. Um, and so I think it's time. I've called publicly multiple times for TikTok to be banned. And as, as frustrating as that might be to some U.S. consumers, it's not nearly as disruptive and frustrating as it could be one day if this challenges left unaddressed. Yeah. I mean, Danny's point is is fascinating because we all accept that corporations collect this information on us. But I think your, your point, Danny, that you're making is that a few years ago, people were freaking out about our government having metadata right. about who what number called what number in a national security program that was designed to stop another 9-11. But we're perfectly fine with the Chinese government being able to follow our keystrokes. <laughs> and our bank accounts and everything. I mean, this is and li- it's, this and is government to, to government. And this, this is, is this, this is our government, our right. elected government, who's doing this under uh, was doing it under a FISA order with supervision so and lawfully. all the rest of it lawfully. And the Chinese government, which is a hostile foreign totalitarian regime, that's following a third of the country's keystrokes. Is that what's happening? Yes. And and Mark, I think we need to underscore this exactly to the point that, that you're alluding to here. Not only are they all those bad things? And they're doing all those bad things, but they've lied repeatedly Constantly. to us about the fact that they don't track Americans, right? That they don't have access to the data that's apparently stored by Oracle in Texas. So I think Marcus is asking exactly the right questions. Walk here. us through the lies. Uh, yeah, there's there's numerous of them. One, uh, and and they've they've literally over the last three years been almost systematically debunked uh, through just reporting. 
So they'll say things like the, the Chinese government has never asked us for access to U.S. persons' information. That's a little bit of, um, of, of rhetorical. We just give it to them. Well, that's <laughs> what, no, we're just required to build our networks in such a way as where the Chinese government has access. They don't have to ask us, yeah. right? So, and then also they'll say, but if they ever did ask us, we would say no. Well, one, by Chinese law, it's actually written into law, they actually have to deny cooperation with the Chinese government. But even so, so assume that they don't want to lie. The way they massage that is they say, well, we would say no, but that doesn't actually mean that the government wouldn't get it. They would just say no, and then it would continue afoot. Um, so that's one. They would say things. So right now, um, TikTok is in negotiation with a U.S. agency called the um, Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, CFIUS, which is tasked with reviewing foreign acquisitions and, and operations for any national security concerns. So TikTok is in a negotiation with CFIUS about this. And one of the things that they say is like, okay, you know, we will um, store all U.S. information uh, in Singapore or maybe in, in the United States, which they've said previously they already did and they lied. Um, here's, again, the, where they're hiding the ball. So storing the information in the United States or in Singapore is all fine and good, but that does nothing in terms of them still granting access to the Chinese government to that information. The underlying challenge is, is that the majority of application development and management still happens in China with Chinese engineers. And it has to be that way, right? Because the Chinese government isn't going to let the crown jewel social media company be developed outside of China because it then loses that access. Well, if there is any type of digital bridge between that work and the application that's on American phones, well, then access is present, right? So in the same way that we get uh, operating system uh, updates pushed to our phones, right? That's how they keep them fresh. That's how they learn what we're doing. Right? Okay, well, they're doing that with their apps. And so that means that there's that digital connection. And so if they can push an update, or receive data flows back, which they absolutely have to do for the app to work, well, then you have that connection, and that's the problem. Do, do you understand how these pixels work? I mean, I, they're not the pixels in the normal sense that we think of them. In terms of the tracking pixels? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so that's actually pretty common in social media. It's another way that um, they – this idea of um, of uh, programmatic marketing, it's it's a way of tracking. It's it's a, a, The best way to think about it is um, it's, it's a kind of beacon – that can be assigned to you and to your online uh, actions. And, I mean, it's, it's one of many ways uh, that, that we can be, um, be tracked. But it's across. outside the app, right? So yes. it actually, so a lot of people, I think, think of, and I think my kids think this way as well, they think that when the app is closed, the app is closed, right? And the answer is no, the app is never shaking closed. shaking his head. Yes. No, I'm shaking it no. Well, and, and, and to be honest with you, all you have to do is read the terms of service. Right? Well, Which who nobody does. does. Who on earth has <laughs> ever read the terms of service? But that, but, All of our teenage children, see, children have read the terms well, of but service. So, no, but here's my point on that. It's like, okay, fine. I understand why my teen doesn't do it. Congress. Right? So anybody who wants to be... Well, I know. They don't even read... I, I, got it, I got it. I don't read the legislation, much less the terms of service. Anyone who is actually serious about this doesn't have to do a lot of legwork, is my point. Anyone who, who wants to verify anything that I'm asserting or claiming... You are literally opening your phone away 
and reading the terms of service to, to see 90% of what I'm talking about. This is not hidden. And the laws themselves that I'm referencing are written in English because the Chinese government expects every U.S. company operating in China to abide by those laws. And every Chinese company, including their subsidiaries like TikTok, wherever they operate globally, also have to abide by those laws. Those laws apply what's called extraterritorially. So, so Tom Cotton said the other day, if you have TikTok on your phone, delete the app get and then get rid of your phone. So if, if you, let's say I prevailed on my daughter to delete the app, is China still tracking her phone? I mean, I would be satisfied if she just got rid of the app. It, I don't know. I, so here's the thing. Again, I come out of the intelligence community. If you were to go to the NSA and ask them, how would you like to build the world's most popular social media app and the number one trending app in China, the NSA would say, yes, please. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're, right. you're going to give me you're going to give me physical access to a couple billion phones in China. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll spend whatever it takes to make that happen. Yes, please. And if we did that, we would build it in such a way as to where we have what's called persistent access, regardless of whether that app got deleted. Or not. I mean, the, the government of the United Arab Emirates wanted access to its uh, citizens and didn't want to ask for it. And so they built their own version of WhatsApp and pushed it out to their citizens. So, I mean, right, tried and true technique. And by the way, who's the fool here? Right. We are, not them. They're pursuing their national objectives. They're doing their job. Right. Yeah, I don't get mad at China for playing the game. I get mad at us for letting them win. So this is my question, though. Um, Kwan, you know, we're talking about this, and you're educating us about some aspects of TikTok. But let's just take a step back for a second, okay? ZTE, Chinese telecom company, banned, right? Huawei, Chinese telecom company, banned. Both banned in the United States on ample evidence that they were all serving the Chinese government and spying on us. But there's there are other facts. Confucius societies at universities that are all about managing not simply Chinese nationals or Chinese ethnic students on university campuses, but all students on campus to tamp out pro-Taiwan sentiment, anti-China sentiment. But let's go further. There's also a fentanyl problem in this country. Now, I'm not going too far afield here. What's the number one source of fentanyl in this country? It is China, right? So we put all of these things together and innumerable other facts that I haven't laid out. Why hasn't this happened already? Why hasn't what happened? Why hasn't TikTok been banned already? So over the last... Uh, let's call it five years, there has clearly been a pivot in D.C. And I'll tell you where I started because I I watched it. It was when I was still on Capitol Hill. What you had is in in closed-door briefings, you had the national security community coming to, uh, in my case, the Senate, and explaining how the U.S. military edge was eroding and how that erosion was actually picking up speed. And it was kind of an apples-to-apples comparison in terms of Chinese military capability versus U.S. military capability. That got policymakers' attention uh, very quickly. So the national security side, so if you were a national security-focused policymaker, you started really thinking about that very carefully. Um, That then started conversations about these broader problems that we began seeing uh, with things like Huawei and ZTE. That then brought in policymakers who were focused on the economic side primarily uh, because the disruption 
that was caused in addressing those um, companies was significant. You know, we when we took down Huawei, we took down the company that was on that was poised to to own fifty percent of the global five G market. And so that was that was a big deal. And since then, it's been this slow migration of the policymaking community toward recognizing that what we actually face is a societal challenge from the Chinese government, that, that the Chinese government is leveraging every tool at its disposal to build its own influence and to increasingly manipulate um, U.S. policymakers and, and just foreign policymakers. I mean, you talk to Australians about Chinese manipulation. I mean, they're eat up with it, uh, and they know it, and they're dealing with it. I think for a long time, Danny, to answer your question directly, one of the things that slowed us down was the undeniable um, economic intermingling between the United States and, and China. It's true. It's real. Um, and if we were to address the problem that we've been discussing comprehensively, there's no avoiding very real disruption and pain. There just is. I mean, that, that is a problem. Um, and so that has caused – you'll remember in the last administration – there was always, uh, you know, kind of these, these we'll call them tensions, between the national security folks and the, and, and, the, and the treasury folks about how we were going to deal with China. Well, that's continued into this administration. But that argument's largely, the, the idea that something has to be done is now largely settled, and now it's a conversation about, well, okay, how far, how fast? Uh, I think that one of the best things that's helped that conversation has been Xi Jinping. His unrelenting aggressiveness his inability, frankly, to manage the situation to what I would say would be his own advantage has actually allowed us to kind of clarify the situation and has caused you know, fence sitters to have to kind of move. And um, I think we're in the middle of that right now. Well, let's talk a little bit about influence operations. We've talked about the spying and the keystrokes and all the rest of it. We just had a few years ago an absolute freak out about Russia using Facebook as an influence operation in the 2016 election, right? And having, and having a president who was, you know, a Russian a Russian agent because a Russian, of it. Russian, exactly. Accusations that Donald Trump was a Russian agent and, and colluding with the Russians like that. TikTok is by far and away more influenced by Chinese Communist Party than, than Facebook ever was by Russia. For example, I just saw there was a story in the Washington Post that there are only 20 videos available with the hashtag Tiananmen Square on TikTok, most of which say it never happened. Uh, the massacre never happened. And I would venture to say, I, I have gone on to TikTok because I don't have it on my phone, but I venture if you wanted to follow the Chinese protests that are happening right now, you probably couldn't do it on TikTok. What is the danger of having a app that a third of our country is using, including most of our young people, many of whom are getting their news from TikTok? learning about public issues from TikTok, where the Chinese Communist Party controls what information they're getting. Well, I mean, the, the danger is, is being shaped by the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, like what you, your understanding of the world, um, the, the issues that are at stake, how those issues play off of one another, and, and what you think is actually true or not, is all being, in the case of TikTok, dictated to you by the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. And again, I, I mentioned I used to do influence. TikTok, in all of social media, these, they do not exist so that we can see cat videos. These are not social media companies in that sense. The cat videos are the catnip. Yeah. To get you to get it. These are marketing 
platforms. Yeah. Their 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 purpose for existing is to capture and move audiences. That's what that's why they make billions and billions and billions of dollars. Now, in one sense, I'm I'm good with that, particularly in the in the American context, right? Okay, we, we're all making this choice and it does serve us a purpose. But when we talk about the Chinese government, we just have to understand that we're dealing with, unfortunately, an inherently hostile foreign government who seeks to move our population uh, in directions that are um, inevitably against our own interests and toward theirs. That's it. That's the summation of the problem. Um, and again, you know, I mentioned, you know, in one sense, that's a rational choice by the CCP. Uh, if you know, of, of course, I would use this capability. You know, I, I want to, I want to amass and wield geopolitical influence. This is the, potentially the most powerful platform for geopolitical influence ever built, and it's mine. Yes, I'm going to use it. I'm going to leverage it. We just, we, we have as as a society, and particularly policymakers, we have to understand that this is the world we live in. It's not going to change. This is where we are, and we either get sophisticated. Or we're handing ourselves over to an enemy without even a fight, you know. You know, you, you've got the you've got the in the, what was it the early '90s entertaining ourselves to death. This is the very definition of that. Just to follow up on that, I mean, I was just looking at the story in the Guardian about the way China censors information on it. So, like, you could put up a video about the Chinese protests and put it out there, and according to the Guardian. The video will be censored in a way that you could still see the video. They don't actually take it down, and you, but no one else can see it. They'll quarantine your video. And you don't know it. And you don't that, know it. Right. So you're looking at your video, and maybe a few of your friends might see it or something like that, but, and you can see it, so it's still there. But no one else is able to see it. So the, it's, it's, it seems like an, an incredibly sophisticated censorship uh, well, operation. And it's, it's even more than that because on occasion what they'll do is they'll artificially inflate the views so that you think it's gone viral. Oh, Really? Wow. Yeah, no one's actually looking at your TikToks, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Although if you, the, the, maybe it would be, the, the one thing that would maybe tempt me to get on TikTok is if, if there was some kind of dance video with you, Mark, that, I mean, that would be. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Mark, now we know Now we know how to make this podcast go viral. So I have a comment, but then I also have a question. So uh, it, it was fascinating to me. The U.S. government knows this. Donald Trump, you know, uh, inconstant is the, the nicest word we can use for him, you know, decided to ban it, then decided to force him to sell it, then gave up on all of it. But Joe Biden, who must have access to the same information that we are talking about now and much, much more, invited in October eight TikTok influencers to the White House. Well, And they've used TikTok for political advertising. Right. I mean, wh- what the... What the hell, if I may say so. I want to ask you about something important because I think that part of what's gone wrong with the campaign to help people understand how pernicious TikTok is is a a failure to understand how the information is important. So I just want to think of a 16-year-old. Actually, a 16-year-old I know, not in my family, but a 16-year-old I know who ordered a whole bunch of fake IDs. You live in Washington. You're growing up in Washington. You decide you want to be in the military. You want to decide you want to be in the government. Decide you want to work on the hill. You need security clearance. Have you ever committed a crime? Well, that's a crime, right? Uh, the Chinese government knows you've done it, uh, but you've lied about it because everybody lies about it, right? You watch porn, okay? Mostly boys, not girls. 
you end up in a position of responsibility, you know, the Chinese know that about you. They have the power to blackmail you. It used to be that when you were in the government and you asked questions for security clearance, they would ask you, you know, whether it is possible the foreign government has anything on you that they could use to control you. And the answer from almost from 160 million people has to be, yeah, they do. Well, and so what's crazy about it is, so number one, you're absolutely right. Uh, and that's what I mean previously by, in, in some sense, we're all going to be known. And there's there's no getting that back. Um, and frankly... But, the, but not known in the sense that, you know, I like Prada versus Versace. It's known in the sense that no. I used a, you know, I used a slur against some minority. Now, I didn't, but I mean... They know, they'll know. So, and, and, and it's the U.S. government who's going to have to adjust to that new reality because ultimately what that means is lowering the walls because everybody's going to be so thoroughly compromised, which is really unfortunate, and that has its own risks. And we're going to lean on technology in terms of, like, real-time monitoring of people as a way of kind of trying to counteract that. But they're not just going to know everything you know. They're going to know way more than you know about yourself. They're going to understand what we call <laughs> patterns of life and trends that you're not going to remember. You're not going to have any sense of that, but they are. And not only that, and here's the, here's the real national level. So they're going to know that not just about you, but uh, they're going to know that about every individual member of the IC, the, the intelligence community, which doesn't just give them insight into that community, but it then gives them insight into how to build the perfect spy. They understand, okay, what's the legend that has like a 90% application success rate into the IC? Okay, now I know how to build that. Okay, what is the life that fits into the IC and gets elevated up into the senior ranks? I can build that. I can use that. I can manipulate that. So as a, as, as a guy like me, I think about like, I'm not going to burn this source. You know, they're never going to get into the CIA because they watch porn. I mean, there's no way I'm burning that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to keep building that portfolio and I'm going to help in every way that I can to make sure that person becomes the director of the China Center. And if I can move them with an invisible hand, I'll do that. But if it comes down to it and they become the national security advisor to the president one day, well then one day when we're at some kind of a diplomatic meeting, I'm going to have a one-off conversation and just give them a peek at the portfolio and let them know that they now work for me. Yeah, it's scary as hell. You know, and it, people don't have the imagination. That remember what they said about nine eleven, right? A failure, failure of, of imagination. imagination. Yep. No, it's very, very, very true. But I mean, to the people who are never going to be the national security advisor, are not going to join the IC. You know, what's what's the what's the danger of that? I mean, one of the things D D Danny's pointing out is this is just a difference in today's generation from our generation. Our generation, we grew up, we could do stupid things, and there's no record of it. And this generation, everything's being filmed and, and documented. Thank God and, for that. And, you know, you could, you know, lose a job. You can lose because of something stupid you did that somebody else filmed even, you know, when you're when you're 13 or 14 years old. But this is different because not only is that out there in the atmosphere that can be in the cyber ecosystem, but it's at the hands of a foreign adversary, right? Why, why is that troublesome to somebody who's never going to go into the IC, in the Internet to intelligence community or go into national security work? First, anybody who thinks that what I'm describing is hyperbolic, it's not. That's the level of, of, of challenge it. that we're facing. And listen, for, for Joe America or Jill America, who's not worried about ever becoming an national security advisor, fine, totally understand that. 
it's still a problem for you if the U.S. National Security Advisor is compromised, right? Nobody gets away from that, right? That, that affects you in very real, meaningful ways. Um, likewise, <clears throat> if, you know, when I talk to policymakers, I'll, I'll say this, hey, you, you know, sir, ma'am, what's a, what's, what's, describe a great poll. Like when you get a poll of your constituency that really gets you excited, what does that poll look like? And they'll say something like, oh, you know, I mean, like, if I get 2,000 respondents or 4,000, if I get 4,000 respondents, maybe 30 questions, I get deep, deep insight into my constituents, and I know what their priorities are, and I know how to engage them. That, that's an awesome poll. And I say, okay, what do you think the CCP can do with a poll, essentially, of 140 million Americans with more than 3,000 data parameters on each one of them? What level of insight do you think that gives them? They know our country better than we do. Absolutely. And they've stolen most of our defenses and our vaccines and everything else. But it's not, you know, Mark, I think the problem is that if we allow people to think of this as simply a national security problem for people in D.C., then we are doing a disservice. A guy who works at, at Ford Murder Company has access to copyright information, has access to proprietary data. A guy who works at Lockheed Martin has access to, you know, uh, new stealth technology. It, people... Yeah, they're people, engaged in intellectual right. property theft all and over people the have And people have relatives, and people have points of leverage, and people have uh, relatives in the military. I mean, when you have your finger in every single pie... Sure, maybe the guy who works at the ABC and sells booze in Virginia, you know, is not going to be somebody who's important and he doesn't have to care. But I'd say a lot more people have to care than just the tip of the iceberg in D.C. Well, and this is in, in the past we used to rely on, OK, well, then who could possibly collect and, and, and leverage this deluge of data? Well, now we can't. Right. That's why things like um, cloud computing and artificial intelligence are so powerful, because right now the Chinese strategy, even with highly encrypted information, it's collect it now, use it later. They, they, they literally are uh, employing a strategy where they're happy to hoover up any information, even if it's encrypted right now, because they have an assumption that, OK, well, one day we're going to be able to crack that through quantum computing or some other capability. And. They are playing a informed long game. Now, I want to be careful. I don't want to build them up to be you know, 10 feet tall and bulletproof. And, you know, some of your listeners, most of your listeners, will rightly kind of throw up their hands and say, look, I'm not on TikTok. I'm doing what I can. You know, there's not much I can do more. Fine. But this is where my point about the U.S. government really comes in, is that this is so clearly a, um, a concern. This is so... Um, completely within the government's constitutional duties to provide for the common defense that we're now on the line, in my view, of professional negligence if we don't take this action. It's, 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 it's not opaque as to the relationship between the Chinese government and TikTok. It is not opaque in terms of what information is being collected, and it's not opaque about how that can be used against our interests. The time for action is now. Uh, and uh, excuses for not taking action have run out. If we were to get into a conflict over Taiwan, how could China operationalize this? There are a number of ways. I mean, they could, you know, if they wanted to, they could they could shut it down. We would probably, in that kind of conflict, we would probably shut it down. Um, but, I mean, if, if it was left on somehow, at the very, very least, it could be used as a way of propagandizing a third of the country. 
So the, the messages that would be transmitted on, on TikTok about a conflict in Taiwan would be overwhelmingly, they would be decisively shaped by the Chinese Communist Party. They would not be reliable at all. So this is something we need to worry about, not tomorrow, but you know, a few years ago. Before and the war starts. Imme- immediately, if, if not sooner. Claude, thank you so much. This was awesome. My pleasure. So Danny, here's the thing. So Mark Warner said the other day, and I wanted to read this quote about TikTok. Well, I think Donald Trump was right. I mean, TikTok <laughs> is an enormous threat. So if you're a parent, you've got a kid on TikTok, I would be very, very concerned. All that data your child is inputting and receiving is being stored somewhere in Beijing. Danny, when when Mark Warner, Democrat, Democrat. of Virginia, says the words Donald Trump was right, we know that there's a bipartisan consensus emerging on this because they don't say that about a lot of things that Donald Trump was right about. Exactly. On the <laughs> other hand, Mark, I've got to say, talk about dereliction of duty. You know, Trump thought about it but then didn't do it, knowing all the evil things that TikTok is up to, didn't do it. Then Biden comes in, not only rescinds what few directives Donald Trump had on this question, but completely goes in the other direction and, you know, opens up a, a, a committee to study this question. It is a dereliction of duty on the part of the executive branch. And if the executive branch is unwilling to act, a dereliction of duty on the part of the Congress that they have not shut this down for once and for all. Well, maybe they will. Maybe it's time. And in the interim, I think we should all be encouraging our kids to get off of TikTok. You know, the the reality is if TikTok ended tomorrow, the world of our teenage children would not end. There are alternatives to TikTok that do the same thing. I know Instagram has reels, they're which do good. the same thing, but they're not as cool. It's like old people look at Instagram <laughs> reels, right? That, I've, I've you know, been told that repeatedly. Yeah, that, well, you know what? If you didn't have TikTok, you'd make reels cool. Or guess what? Somebody else would come up with something else. We do not need TikTok to have a TikTok-like app. I mean, we're the greatest country in the world, the most innovative country in the world. Why on earth do we have to have the Chinese Communist Party run our social media? The, the, Even, the, no, no. Let social... me put it more starkly, Mark. Yeah. Why on earth would we wish to enslave ourselves to the Chinese Communist Party? Because that's what this is. Yeah. It is a form of ideological and technological slavery that we are engaged in. And they have so much control. The fact that they can use that influence, use that control at a time of their choosing should be something that strikes fear into all of our hearts. I'll tell you one small thing. Um, A friend in Australia who has gotten crosswise with the Chinese government, his friends in, in China who, you know, have done absolutely nothing wrong have been in prison now for several years. Uh, their health is deteriorating. They'll probably die. And why? Because somebody in Australia got crosswise with the Chinese government, and this is the best way they know how to punish him. Yeah. This is a brutal totalitarian regime. We are the most innovative country in the history of mankind. We can come up with our own TikTok or our own alternative to TikTok that doesn't have tentacles going back to Beijing. There's no reason for us to be using this app. And I think it's time for Congress to ban this thing. It's time for every parent to tell their kids, get this thing off your phone. I don't want this on my home network. I don't want the child. I don't have it on my phone and I don't want it on my network so they can try to follow right. my keystrokes. If you deleted, if you deleted Twitter because you hate Elon Musk, <laughs> that goes a hundred times over for TikTok. Amen. Thanks folks for listening. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your families, with your friends, with your turkeys. 
the Chinese know everything you did and everything you ate because exactly. uh, somebody in your house was on TikTok. I guarantee it. So let's keep what we do for Christmas out of their hands. Amen. Take, Take care. care. Bye. Let us know what topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing us at whatthehell at AEI.org. Or you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at D Pletka. And I'm at Mark Thiessen. That's Mark with a C. Please rate and review the podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, share it, comment on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.